in this time and age, traditional education systems are no longer fit for purpose. You know, our education system was developed sort of 150 years ago, you know, when the real market economy uh, was starting to see the light of the day. And our whole system is in fact based on having our students acquire a lot of knowledge about specific topics, you know, and then being able to enter the market economy. So we have people studying medicine or law or architects or whatever it be. But um, in our current time, in fact, you don't need to have all this knowledge that easily available because you can look up everything in the computer and the computer has a hundred times more knowledge than you have. So we, we, we in fact, are, are um, still having a very outdated educational system that is not up for the time in which we are living. And so that's one thing. The other thing is that we are living in an extremely quickly changing world. And the changes are even going quicker and quicker. I think in the last couple of years, now that I'm really dealing with technology, it's amazing. So we, we're living in a very different world. So we need to think totally different about, you know, um, about our education system. Meet former director at the UN Environment Programme and the Energy and Environment Division of the UN Development Programme. And now turned entrepreneur and convener of the COVID Education Alliance, COVIDEA, Dr. Ferle van der Weert. There is a very good uh, study by the Finnish Committee of the Future. It's part of the Finnish Parliament. And they're doing studies on how will the future be in 20 years' time. And they list 100 new technologies that are going to influence, you know, different industrial sectors. And then they list which new skills you need in order to be able to move to these new uh, industrial sectors. And it's incredible. So, you know, why are people still learning for a profession, which in any case they're not going to, to implement you know, in, 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 in 20 years from now. Most probably the profession you study for is not the, the, the profession that you, will, um, that you will have, you know, in 20, 30 years. So, so we need to think totally different about, you know, um, about our education system. And now let's add reluctance to change, lack of funding and other issues slowing down the evolution needed to take education to the next level. And we have a situation where classrooms still line up people and make them memorize the content of the blackboard that most people will never recall or even use in their lives. So it's not just about what, it's also about how we're teaching and learning. But fortunately, there's a lot of good initiatives out there. And that is what this episode is all about. We are now in the decade of action, and here we'll talk with companies and experts from all over the world about how they're taking actions on the SDGs. To learn from each other about the challenges, opportunities, and solutions on the road towards 2030. From the GRI, this is The Rising Tide. Episode on SDG 4, Quality Education. Why should we care about the education right now? Why not just leave things as they are and hope for the best? The future is coming fast, and the best prediction we have of how things will be is to look at the seeds we're sowing today. I should see where that happens right now. We will never be able to achieve. We're listening to Bo Stjerne Thompson, 
Vice President and Chair of Learning Through Play in the Lego Foundation. Brains, the things they're doing right now, positive stimulating environments, that's what develop how they think 20 years later. So I think we can assess already now how things look like in 2032 by observing, do we see a joy of learning? and you know stimulating positive experiences around us if not you know that's how the world will look like when they're gonna help us create society in 20 years so so that you know 2030 is in many ways very real if you look into how we are experiencing the world right now if we don't change the skill set of our students we will really have problems but you know, the countries who change the education system first will be the countries that will be the economic powerhouses tomorrow. It's clear that we have to do something and that we all have an interest in this. But it's not easy. The targets for SDG 4 talk about lifelong learning, collaboration and social skills as the focus of education, especially for early childhood. But how do you teach skills like these at scale in a cost-effective way? Let's hear about learning to play. All across the Lego entities, we have a vision of uh, learning through play to establish and innovate learning through play in 2032. Because what we see is that the opportunities that children provide with playful experiences and stimulation actually are a key lever into their development, not only of knowledge, like what is in sustainable development goals of mathematics and language and science and so forth, but even more important, when you play, you actually apply your knowledge to practical, uh, practical real, real life problems and, and situations. You are, you know, you're engaging with skills like collaboration and imagination and uh, um, keeping attention and so forth. At the same time as you are excited to learn, you, are, you, know, you have an engagement uh, like, like no other places. So our key focus is really to see that learning through play is the best mechanism to bring together what we need to know as knowledge, the ability to use that knowledge and practical skills and maintain an ongoing joy of learning. Because the key skills that are needed are no longer relying on knowledge in itself. It's actually relying on our adaptability, our uh, creativity, our flexibility, our ability to have empathy and collaborate with others. Okay, okay, I know what you're thinking. Playing all day won't teach me anything. But what Bo is talking about is not just leaving full classroom to their own devices. So when we learn through play, it's not only about the activities we do, like we go outdoor, you do sports, you engage with objects or you play games. It's actually a particular mindset you have. It's a particular experience and a ways of being. And what we've seen is that the characteristics of how you learn through play is that when you are active, not passive, but means that you're actually doing things, you are engaged, you are not sitting passively as an observer. You also have opportunities to test and try out different things and different strategies, not repeating the same thing over and over again. And it's inherently things that are relevant, that are meaningful to uh, children, to students, to adults also. It's not meaningless. It's something that really relates to what your, your existing context and interests are. And it often happens in social relationships. It's not something uh, isolated as the individual to you know, have children compete against each other. It's supported by having people around you you can learn from, imitate, and collaborate with. 
And to sustain this, which is a key part of sustainable development goals uh, in, in talking about lifelong learning, you need to enjoy keeping learning new things. And that needs to be sustained from the early years and throughout life. So as a, as a global indicator, you know, sustainable development goals, number four, particularly in education, is something that would greatly benefit from playful experiences, from engaging experiences, from stimulating environments. So approaching learning as an active, engaging, joyful and stimulating activity. But it's not meant to be easy. When we think about learning and playing, both of these, it's actually about engaging things that are challenging. So, so this idea that play is just fun, but not really purposeful or challenging or meaningful, is sometimes something we need to, to uh, dive a little deeper into because children actually enjoy things that are challenging. They enjoy things that are new and just to try it out. And that is learning. Okay, so how does this look in real life? How can teachers, parents, coaches and everyone else use this in their own educational spaces? So what we are looking at here is, well, let's imagine that education is more asking the question of not what is two plus two, but what are the different ways we can get to four? If we talk about into a classroom and say two plus two, only one person can succeed, the one with the fastest hand, the, the one that is less you know, introvert maybe. But if you say, what are the different ways we can get to four? Many would have opportunities, two plus two and one plus three and two times two and you know, tons of different options. And they will learn things deeper. So I think our key opportunity when we think about learning through play is that providing that more inclusive approach You actually have a deeper understanding of the concepts and principles, but you have ability to apply it in practice and you're more motivated to engage in, in learning processes. That engagement and joyful experience has been cut short for a long time because the classical student-teacher dynamic creates a distance, which hinders students' curiosity. So much of the driving mechanism for children's learning is curiosity. And that's been studied extensively. What it, what it means is that you're actually making it clear to children that there's an information gap. And in many instances in our teaching practice and education, there's no information gap because the teacher knows and we know what we need to learn. That's not very motivating. But if you ask a question to say, you don't really know, or there's this gap in knowledge we need to explore, then it triggers at the same time multiple opportunities, but also an interest in learning. So, so for us, you know, curiosity and, and that exploration is a key starting point for effective forms of learning. In some parts of the world, this mindset is catching on and success is being redefined even when it comes to traditional topics. Next year, uh, the PISA, the OECD, the PISA test will include uh, an innovative domain on creativity, for instance. It means that success in school is not only about understanding the content and the curriculum, but also in which way you can express that in different ways and come up with critical and different solutions. So creativity and critical thinking. And what that means is if you have a geography lesson or a history lesson, and you're thinking, I need to learn about this particular event in history, could be anything in your own past or your own community. You're not asking children to remember that event and recite it and read about it. You're asking them, what happened if this event would, would end differently? Like if this war would have a different winner or if that came out differently in the way that the community was built. With that scenario, you're opening up for many different opportunities for the students to articulate an outcome or a scenario 
but they still need to learn the history. They still need to learn about the past because what they're doing is they have to trace back what are actually the factors in that period of time, in that kind of conflict, and then have to use that to develop a new scenario. A few minutes ago, when I first heard Bo's name and his role at the Lego Foundation, chair of Learning for Play, I bet most of us were wondering what his job actually is. Bo's mission is to spread and advance knowledge on how and why Learning to Play is beneficial for education and development around the world and is part of Lego's approach to social impact. So as a Lego Foundation, we are extremely privileged with being part of a family-owned company. And that family decided to uh, dedicate 25% of the profit of the company to uh, to social impact, to provide the opportunities for many more children to play with all different kinds of materials and particularly reaching children in places that do not have naturally access to stimulation and sensitive and, and responsive caregiving and so forth. So we, we are main focus is to provide that uh, support for systems to look more into opportunities to learn through play, so systems change. And that means that our funding is looking at collaborations between governments, between educational systems, teachers and parents, and looking at the main barriers there are to understand how that can be scaled. So we have what we call initiatives, and these initiatives, we have 15 different initiatives, and they each target a particular barrier that we see in the systems and collaborate with governments and communities to fulfill that. So one example is uh, when I mentioned an example in Bangladesh or in Colombia, where we work with preschools, it's really trying to find local ways that a community can develop preschools, quality preschools, using a local resource and scale that to demonstrate outcomes with, uh, with uh, the, the lasting support for governments. Bo just said the magic word, scale. How can we change the traditional system at scale? That's the big question and one we have to answer fast if we want to achieve the ambitious targets of SDG4. And this is where technology comes into play. And because of COVID, I take many, many people have now are, are now discussing is our education system in fact ready or good for for the society we have and so what i what i, I did being locked down i have been i think six time in quarantine uh, during the covid and, and so I, i thought okay why don't i you know try to bring together a very diverse group of people um to to really think about how our education system Uh, should change and how in fact our technology can help because in fact we have the technology now available to have a very different education system a much more efficient education system and an education system that is much more directed to the individual students to his or her capacities and needs instead of having an education system where you give one course to 500 students you know that's in fact totally totally outdated So we brought this very diverse group of people together, representing governments, academia, you know, NGOs, private sector, uh, to jointly, in fact, write a kind of manifesto how and what uh, should the education system change. During the 2020 lockdown, the demand for online courses and remote education increased tenfold and things won't go back to what they were. 
Students of all ages are learning through different outlets, all thanks to the scalable nature of technology and the internet. So we say two things. We say uh, what we teach has to change. Of course, we have to teach still knowledge. Everybody has to learn how to write and do the basic maths and how to read that you have to do. But, you know, you also have to learn how to build character. And you have to learn how to build judgment, you know, with all the fake news. And you have to learn how to become a good citizen. You know, we, li we live in a multicultural society. You have to learn to deal and how to navigate such a system. But nowadays, you also have to have computational science. You have to understand, you know, algorithms. You have to understand the basics from a computer. Nowadays, in fact, everybody should learn blockchain. You know, blockchain will impact our lives tremendously, you know, but in which secondary school are people already teaching blockchain? Technology is not only the how, it's also the what of the next generation of education to be able to navigate the world of the future. Um, and then the nice thing is, of course, that, okay, we need to change. But on the other hand, we also have the tools to change. You know, we have the electronic courses, we have the, the content, we have the curricula. Um, a lot is developed by the private sector. And we have the different ways to deliver education, not only Zoom meetings, but much more sophisticated, you know, totally virtual school buildings, totally virtual classes, virtual reality, audio. Um, so there are many Technologies are there that can help us. There are so many things available that can make our that can make this transition from the education system we know now, which is old-fashioned and outdated, to an education system that is much more making use of all these new technologies and at least is um, teaching our students something you know that they will will be useful for them in their in their professional life. For companies looking to take action, a great starting point is thinking about what it means for their collaborators, their employees and their stakeholders to keep learning. As a company nowadays, we realize that our employees and our colleagues need to keep learning, needs to be much more adaptable. So companies also have a responsibility to point to real life. How does, what does it mean to learn in a 21st century workplace? And that is exactly dealing with complexity, with creativity, with shifting colleagues and a lot of change. And that requires play. So, you know, whether the company or not are working with, with a play agenda, they're working with upskilling and reskilling. And in that case, you know, to be able to engage in community and new experiences also helps the company understand how the, their own kind of workforce can be more uh, flexible and more meaningful in terms of how they engage in society. As individuals, we also have to ask these questions and check if we're preaching without practicing. I think the I think the, the, the one thing to remember in all of our discussions around education and sustainable development goals and sometimes our ambitions on behalf of children and young people is that it starts with ourselves. Uh, because one of the many barriers we sometimes need to overcome is our own memory of learning. That when we go around doing our everyday jobs, We sometimes fit into structures where we do the same thing over and over again. Instead of trying to figure out whether I can learn things in a different way, collaborate with others, or trying to do something a little different. So this ability for us to think about 
testing and trying things out in small scale every day in our own work and you know in our, our way of setting outcomes and standards I think will be a lever to understand how we can support education for young children and for, for schools because you know it's inherently our own playfulness in, in a more modest way um, to think about alternative ideas to collaborate with others and be keep keep being a lifelong learner and if you don't start with you know that's thinking about adults then it will be difficult to provide that environment for for children also so i think that's a great opportunity not only for for children and students but for but, but for everyone as a lifelong learner Innovation on the how and what of our education systems for all ages can take us to the quality of education we want. The ideas are out there, and the COVID-19 pandemic forced the technological transition of the education systems in parts of the world to go faster than ever imagined. So why not also revisit the traditional approach to teaching and get inspired by all the great ideas out there as learning to play to bring about the next generation of educational systems? And so everything we talked about today is an invitation to flip the script on the classical models at scale and use technology to prepare everyone for the future. The Rising Tide podcast is co-produced by the GRI and Naranja Media. We want to thank Dr. Berle van der Weert and Bustiana Thompson for sharing their time and expertise. We also want to thank the Swedish government for making this podcast series possible. We greatly appreciate the long-standing support for sustainable development work, catalyzing action towards the SDGs. My name is Tina Nybo Jensen. Thank you for listening. <laughs>